if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. We're continuing our sermon series that we've been going through called Measure My Days. We've been talking about the fact that life is short. Life is brief. Uh, it's, and we're talking about what would it be like if we honestly and truly live life with the knowledge of how brief it is. If we live life in light of the fact that we know life is short, yet we keep living it for things that don't matter much in light of eternity. So here's our main verses for this morning. Psalm 39, let's start in verse number four. Psalm 39 verse four says, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. Selah. Listen, guys, uh, go back to verse number four, Brooke, and let's, let's say this verse together on the count of three. One, two, three. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Because our life is brief, because this life is short. I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of leaving a godly legacy, a godly heritage. What are we leaving behind uh, after we go? What would generations to come on down the line, what would their life be a reflection of based off of your life today? Because how you're living today does matter and it does count. How would they be different for how you are living today? Take your parents, for example. Think about your parents for just a moment. Now, they made an impact on your life, did they not? It may be for good. It may be for bad. Well, whatever the case, but they made an impact on your life. For many of you, you've got incredible parents, and it's a positive thing. And for some of you, if you're being honest, it's not so much. And uh, we talked about this in the Be the Man a sermon series that we did, but think about dads for a moment. If I asked you right now, hey man, tell me about your dad. For some of you, that'd be a really positive thing. You'd be like, man, my dad was awesome. You'd have all these funny stories. It'd probably have something to do with burps and farts. It'd be great, right? But, you know, and then some of you, you really wouldn't have much to say. If I said, hey, tell me about your dad, you'd be like, well, you know, you'd be polite. You wouldn't say much. But the truth is there's some of you here this morning. If I said, tell me about your dad, you'd kind of, you'd cringe. You'd get that knot in your stomach. You would tighten up just thinking about your father. That's the kind of impact that your parents can have on your life for better or for worse. Uh, so I want to talk about heritage, legacy. It means a lot to me. And, I, and listen, it's one thing for our children to want to be just like us when they're five. And we know they don't want to be nothing like us when they're 15. But what about when they're 25, 35, 45? Are your children going to look back on your life someday? Are your grandchildren going to be able to look back on your life someday? Is somebody in your family going to look back on your life someday and say, I want to be like them? Heritage, legacy. We want to live life in such a way that we're leaving a godly heritage behind. And so what I've done this morning, we've got three very simple notes for you this morning, but they're absolutely profound in their truth. Number one, write this down. If we want to leave a godly heritage behind, we got to say what's important. We've got to say what's important. We're going to say the words that God wants us to say. Now, I'm not saying say every thought that comes to your head. 
Because there's some thoughts that come to your mind you shouldn't say. I'm saying say what God wants you to say. Say the words that are important. We want to tell those people that we love, the next generation, our wife, our husbands, our grandparents, whatever it is, we want to tell them what we really want them to know. And now as a pastor, now many times I have visited with sick people, very sick people in their homes or in the hospital. And more than once in, in my ministry, it has happened like this, where you go and, and maybe there's a, a very serious surgery or maybe the doctors don't give them much time. And they'll say, Pastor Marcus, if something happens, tell my wife, you know, fill in the blank. Or tell my husband, uh, tell my, Pastor Marcus, tell my kids, make sure they know. And the one, and I never say it, but the one thing that I want to say at that time is, man, why don't you tell them? Why don't you tell them? How much more would it mean to hear it from you? And not to hear it from me, but to hear it from you. We've got to say what's important while we still have time. Uh, it's my prayer that you would say what God wants you to say. It's my prayer for me. Solomon is a good example of this. In the Old Testament, he's talking to his son in one of the Psalms. Look in your notes. Proverbs, I mean Psalms, Proverbs 4, verse 20. He says this. He said, my son, give attention to what? My, to, to how I live my life only? To, to my example? To how I'm living? Well, y'all, that yes. But also, son, pay attention to what? My words, incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 21, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. He's saying, son, here's something, and this is so important. I want you to know this truth and hang on to this truth. Listen, you express your words of wisdom and love uh, to the people that you care about and encouragement because many people don't. And us guys, we're the worst. I read uh, this psychologist. He does a great deal of counseling. He's counseled hundreds of people. And when he does his interview for counseling, there's this one question that he always asks in that interview. And that question is this. He says, he asked them, he says, is your father proud of you? Is your father, do you think that your dad is proud of you? He says almost universally, everybody that comes in uh, for counseling will say one or two things. They'll say no, or they'll say, I don't know. Is your father proud of you? I don't know. Or they'll simply say, no, it's not a coincidence. It is absolutely tragic that we as parents and our grandparents, we aren't telling our children and the next generation how much we love them. Think about it, man. If you don't think that your kids and grandkids need to hear it, uh, Jesus needed to hear it. Here Jesus is living the perfect life. He goes and gets baptized by John the Baptist. God the Father was so proud of Jesus, he said it loud and proud for anybody that would listen so they could hear, this is my son in whom I am what? Well, please. Hey, Jesus, is your father proud of you? I live. My food is to do the will of my father who sent me. Hey, Jesus, is your father proud of you? Well, he said, I'm his son in whom he is well pleased. Jesus needed to hear it. Your children and grandchildren and your family and those people you have an influence over, they need to hear it too.
My new goal, we, we've talked about this one a couple of weeks ago. Remember when I talked about the 100-year filter? That's one of my big goals for my life now. What it means is this. If this isn't going to matter in 100 years, it ain't going to matter right now. In other words, I'm not going to commit myself, my time, talent, or treasure to anything that's not going to matter in 100 years. And, I'm, and I, there's enough of those things that I don't have time for other things. Does that make sense? I mean, what's going to matter in 100 years? People. Jesus, the word of God, those things are going to matter in a hundred years, but some of these things aren't going to matter in two minutes from now. So I'm just refusing to invest my time, talent, and treasure in things that just simply don't matter. However, there's a second filter and in preparing for this message uh, th that I need to realize, not a filter, I need to unlock the filter. There's a second thing that I really need to focus on in my personal life, and that's to not let any good thought go unspoken. I don't want to let any good thought. I can let the bad ones rip. Can you? Right? Let me get on the bypass in Jackson. Oh, man. I tell you what, if I'm not calling another driver an idiot, I'm calling the person that's doing the construction an idiot. Amen? Amen. Well, that's just me. Preacher calls people idiots. It's probably you. There's no... There's no county line for bad drivers, y'all. I can let the negativity come out twice as fast as the positive. Can you? I mean, I'm being serious. I can gripe. I can gripe. I can grumble. But what I want to do is I don't want to let any uh, good thing, any positive thought go unexpressed, to go unexposed, uh, uh, unspoken. And I know for a lot of us guys, it's hard, man, to communicate with our thoughts and our feelings. And it's all touchy and feely and mushy. That means you just have to try twice as hard as a lady would. And a matter of fact, here's an assignment. Here's something you need to think about. And you need to take this seriously. In light of how short life is, how would you finish this sentence to your children, grandchildren, your loved ones, your husband, your wife? Look at this next slide. How would you tell your wife? What would you tell your husband? What would you tell your children, your grandchildren, if you finish that sentence? There's one thing, man, I want you to know. You need to know this. And here's the thing. You may think, it may come to your mind that they already know. They probably don't. 99 out of 100 that go to counseling don't know whether or not their daddy's proud of them. And I bet 99 out of 100 dads think that their kids know that they're proud of them. But they don't. I want you to know, man, this is so important. You've got to know this one thing. What would you tell to your children, to people that you care about, to your friends, to your family members, above everything else, man, this is what I want you to know. If you're going to leave a godly heritage, you've got to open your mouth. Number two, write this down. Also, you're going to have to run your race. You can't run my race. It's funny being a pastor. Some people want to run a race for you. They know how to run a race. Some people are experts on preaching and never preach a day in their life. There's some of you out right now, you're giving me a score. Well, he's doing an eight out of a 10 today. He's doing good. And I could tell you how to run your race. I've got to run mine, right? You've got to run your race. You've got to do what God has called you to do. Look what Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may, what? What did he say right there? Finish my race with joy. So many people, so many Christians are, what do we, we, what do we say? Right, they're on the lemon sucking committee, right? 
Joy is the key word here. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In other words, for Paul, the gospel, the good news, that's what was important. Him sharing Christ. Nothing else mattered. That's the task he had to fulfill. That's why God put him on earth and he was going to do it. But what about you? That's Paul's assignment. You're called to be a witness too. Look at this next slide. What is your unfinished assignment? What is God calling you to do that as, as of today you haven't fulfilled yet? You haven't done it. You know God is calling you to do it, but you simply haven't done it. Maybe it's something big. Maybe God is calling you to change jobs. You know that God hasn't put you where you're at and he's calling you somewhere else, but it's going to take a lot of faith to go somewhere else. It might be something big. It could be a relationship. There might be somebody that's important to you in your life. And because of something stupid, y'all don't even speak anymore. You don't talk. You like subtweet each other. You leave comments on Facebook talking about each other. Everybody knows who you're talking about. I like it when they, never mind, I'm not, no, okay. What relationship is it that you know in your heart's important to you, but it's not right right now? And if there was a funeral tomorrow, there'd be a lot of regret. And you think, man, I can't believe I let that get between us. And now she's dead. Now he's gone. Now it's too late. What relationship, what unfinished assignment do you have? Maybe there's somebody who's in need and you've got what they need, but for some reason you're not giving them what they need. Maybe there's a book in your heart. God's put something in your heart, something creative, man. He's called you to do and you haven't done it. Maybe God is calling you to step up and be the man and be the spiritual leader of your family that he's called you to be. And like for real, disciple your family, disciple your children in the ways of God and in the word of God. And you just haven't done it. What is your unfinished assignment? We want to leave a godly legacy. And in order to do that, we're going to have to say the important things, the things that really matter. And we're going to have to run our race. And number three, write this down. Sounds simple, but we're going to have to live for Jesus. Sounds simple. We're going to have to live the way that God wants us to. Pretty basic. But the truth is, most people aren't, are they? That's the truth. Most people just aren't. It's sad to me to see so many people who say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I know what God's word says, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway, or I'm not going to do it. It's sad. That's a wasted life. James chapter 1 verse 22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Say that verse with me in the count of three. One, two, three. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself. You're fooling yourself. Right now you're listening to the word of God. If you, you're reading the word of God, but it's not going to help you an iota if you do not apply it to your life. You're tricking yourself. You need to let the word of God overtake you, to speak to you, to correct you, to challenge you, to convict you and to change you. And when you do that, you'll leave a godly heritage behind that you won't be ashamed of. And it will last for generations. What happens when we start to live out the word of God? You start to become different. 
And people notice the difference. Even non-believers notice the difference. There's something special about you. There's something different in your life. What happens is it changes everything about you and all of your priorities. You start to love people the way that Jesus loves them. You're patient and you're kind and you don't envy. You don't boast and you're not proud. You're not rude, except unless you're on the bypass. You're not self-seeking. You're not easily angered. You don't delight in evil. You rejoice in the truth of God's word. You have this love that goes beyond understanding and it always hopes, always trusts, always protects, and it never fails. You know in your heart, in your life, these three things remain faith, hope, and love. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ and your relationships go deeper and they have more meaning and they're more real because all of a sudden you care about people and you start leading others to Christ Jesus. There's this divine love and you're willing to lay down your life to serve others. You are different. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 17, the world is passing away. I mean, all this stuff we care about, it's passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God, he who does the will of God abides forever forever. All of these desires, all of these things that we think are such a big deal now, passing away, going away. But the person who does the will of God, that person abides forever. Now this is talking about eternity. When you're saved, give your heart to Christ, you do the will of God, you're going to heaven. You'll spend eternity in heaven. But not just that. This is referring to generations to come, generation after generation. Could you imagine one day meeting your great-great-grandbaby, your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandbaby, and then being able to look you in the eye someday in heaven and say, because you lived, because you lived a righteous life, a holy life, a consecrated life, because you surrendered yourself to Christ Jesus without regret and with no retreat, because you stood on the foundation of the Word of God, family member after family member after family member after family member stood on that foundation of your faithfulness. And now, here I am, your great, great, great grandbaby in heaven with you. That's what I want, man. I mean, I want my kids to go to heaven too. And they will. Both of them have given their heart to Christ. But I want them grandbabies. I'm praying for them grandbabies already. They ain't none. They ain't going to be none anytime soon. But I'm praying for them. I'm praying for my great grandbabies. Listen. You're not perfect, but you can be a man of God. You're not perfect, but you can be a woman of God. You can be a woman of prayer, a woman of faithfulness. Don't sell out. If you want that, you have to live the way that God wants you to live. What does it take? Here, write this down. Live by the word of God instead of your, man, that big word, preferences. We all have our preferences, right? Um, especially in church life. I'm not going to talk about this. We don't have a lot of time. I don't want, you know, I prefer pews or I prefer chairs. I prefer, you know, we, all, we know what preferences are, don't we? We all have them, right? I, I prefer a church where, you know, anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but too many of us, however, are living according to our preferences, right? Not our conviction, our convictions. Now, what is a conviction? A conviction is a belief on the inside that is going to show through on the outside every time. That's a conviction. A conviction is a belief on the inside that's going to show on the outside. What's a preference? A preference is a strong desire that you will compromise. You will cave when the going gets tough. That's a preference. That's a preference. People living by their preferences. 
You know, well, I prefer to be generous until there's something I want to buy, and then it's every man for himself. I prefer to be a, a virgin when I get married, but then there's peer pressure and the mood is right and then things happen. My preference goes out the window. I prefer to go to church unless there's absolutely anything else going on that I would rather do. I prefer to be a tither unless money's a little tight. I prefer family time, but I'm on a softball team. My wife's got PTA. The kids got soccer, dance, ballet, and piano, so we don't eat together. We don't sit together. We don't even see each other for weeks at time, but I prefer that we would spend time together. Man, but convictions, convictions are different. Convictions, what's on the inside is going to show on the outside. And if you want in generations to come, to be able to say we are different, we're closer to God, or we've lived by the convictions of God, if you want to be able to say what God wants you to say, to do what God wants you to do, and to live how God wants you to live, you're going to have to have some convictions and get rid of the preferences. Right? Get rid of the preferences. I don't know what we're waiting for, man. Life is short. It's brief. It's a miss. Some of the things we complain about, me included, life just appears for a little while, just for a short time, and then it vanishes. And we've got one shot, like one shot, and it's gone. The question for you this morning, for all of us, and I'm not trying to be morbid, but if it was all over for you today, what kind of heritage would you be leaving behind? Is it one that you would be proud of? Is it one that God would be proud of? What kind of heritage are you leaving behind? Paul said this one time to his son in the faith in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Paul knew his time was coming to an end. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. He said, I said what God wanted me to say, I did what God wanted me to do, and I lived how God wanted me to live. What's next? Look at verse number eight. Paul says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that are you ready? Can you say Jesus Christ is going to give you that crown of righteousness? Live life like it's short because it is. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for our time together in your word. Lord, remind us how brief life really is. Lord, again, thank you for your word to us. Father, change us. Help us to have that godly heritage to pass down. Help make us, Lord, just more and more like you each moment. Lord, help us to honor you in the way we live and in the way we lead others to follow you as well. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. As you keep praying, be respectful of those around you. No looking around. Assume a posture of prayer. I want to know right now, if it was over for you, would you be pleased? A question we ask, would God be pleased? Or in your heart, could you, being honest with yourself, say, you know, so many things, <laughs> so many things could be so much better. Is it your prayer this morning? Kind of these three things that we talked about. Is it your prayer this morning to really say what's important? 
Is it your desire to run your race? To do what God has called you to do? To live like Jesus is calling you to live? Is that your prayer this morning? You know that you're saved. You know that you're a Christian. That's who this question is for. But it's your desire to leave a godly heritage. That's your prayer right now. Will you slip your hand up all over sanctuary? All over. I see you all over the front and the back and the sides. All over. Let's pray together. Father, may we honor you even now in this moment in every single way. Lord, we pray that in the name of your son, that your Holy Spirit will lead us and strengthen us to leave that godly heritage that you're calling us to leave. Lord, if you give us the words, we'll speak them. Lord, show us your will and we will follow. We will run our race. And Father, teach us how to live like Jesus. Lord, we want to surrender our life and honor you with our life. We love you. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. As you continue praying right there for just a moment, there's some of you, you're here this morning, you're not sure where you stand with God. And the truth is, is we're kind of going through this and, and we're talking about say what's important and running your race. And we got to that third one talking about living for Jesus. If you had to be honest, you're not living for Jesus. Maybe you're living for you. But then probably if you're being really honest, you realize, man, you're not even happy with that. Tossed, confused. You make promises to yourself and you break them. You need Jesus. And you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm not good enough. And I've got good news for you. You're not good enough. Look up for just a second. Scripture says this. Look at this Bible verse. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. That's everybody and everyone. We have all fallen short. We've all sinned. And the good news is that the Father loved you so much that he sent his Son, that one in whom he was well pleased. He sent his perfect, holy, righteous Son, and he lived without sin, and he did it for you. And then he went to that cross to pay the punishment for your sin and for my sin. He literally became sin for us. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. The Bible says, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He died on the cross, and on the third day, he was resurrected from the dead. He ascended to the right hand of his father, and he is there right now. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. So what's the big deal? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does that mean? It means it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've seen, what you've done, what you, none of those things matter. When you get in Christ, all those things pass away. God will give you a new heart. He'll make you a new creation. He'll give you peace with God for the first time in your life. You need Jesus. 
And for real, life is short. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means you have acknowledged your sin. You've turned from your sin. And you've turned to Jesus to save you. And you've placed your trust in his And Jason demonstrated it. He gave that testimony this morning, that perfect picture when he was in the uh, baptismal waters, the death, burial, and resurrection. You've got to put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your sins. He became your sin. He became sin for you. And if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus, follow Christ, and be his disciple. Let's pray one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There are those of you here this morning, you know that Christ is calling you to salvation. You can feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit on your heart. But the truth is, you've got to make a decision. You can say no. You can reject Christ and his perfect sacrifice and his perfect love for you. Or you can say yes and surrender your life to Jesus. Jesus, take it all. Save me. Listen, I'm going to ask one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I will not call you out. I will not single you out or try to get you to come forward. But right there in your seat, if in your heart you know that you need to surrender to Jesus Christ, to repent and turn from your sin and trust him to save you, why don't you slip your hand up right now and I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Listen, even if you don't raise your hands right now, you can put your hands down. Even if you don't raise your hands right now and, you didn't, and you're sitting in that seat and you know that you need Christ, why don't you pray this prayer? There's nothing magical or special about this prayer. It's you humbling yourself before God. And why don't you just say this to God? Say, God, I'm a sinner. I sin. Lord, I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. Tell him, say, Lord, save me, Jesus. Tell him, say, Father, I'm putting my my trust, my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection for me. Christ alone and nothing else and no one else. Save me, Jesus. The Bible is clear. Scripture is clear. It says all who call on the name of Christ Jesus will be saved. And if you called on him, he just saved you. You're forgiven of your sins. He's giving you the Holy Spirit and he's giving you a new heart. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you to make that decision public. Do what Jason did and follow through in scriptural believer's baptism.